we're talking about the blood covenant, when we talk about the scarlet thread of redemption. And we went in last week, we started talking about the Abrahamic covenant. And this covenant gives us such a type. It, it points to Jesus. It shows us so much. And so much of the Bible is about this man Abraham, about his descendants, about the covenant God made with him. And you know, Abraham, we are now a descendant of Abraham spiritually. So the whole New Testament's about that. So I want to go back to Genesis, and we want to talk about this. Uh, we, we started talking about it last week, but I want to kind of read through what we went through leading up to when God cut covenant with Abraham. Now, we call him Abraham. God changed his name ultimately. But when this happened, his name was Abram, right? So let's turn to Genesis chapter 15, verse 1. Genesis chapter 15 and verse 1, just to kind of review last week, and then we'll just launch off here. It says, after these things, and we know this, the things that it's talking about happened in chapter 14. So Abram took his, took, like, his servants and went and conquered some kings that had taken his descendants or his, his, his family, Lot and his, his whole family, got them back. And when, he, when literally God gave him the victory, he was so thankful that what Abraham did out of a heart of thanksgiving for God's deliverance, he brought Melchizedek, the high priest of God, the tithe of all. So he brought it to him, and right after he did that, in Genesis chapter 15, after these things, the word of the Lord came unto Abram in a vision, saying, Fear not, Abram, I am your shield. This means I am your protector, and I am your protection. Okay? So God is basically starting to talk covenant. What do we talk about when we talk covenant? We see from Genesis all the way through Revelation that God loves you and I so much that he has given all that he is and all that he has to us. So now he's saying, Abram, I'm your protection, I'm your protector, and he says this, and I am your exceeding great reward. That in the Hebrew language, that could be translated like this. I am your mighty increasing monetary benefit. The blessing of Abraham, one of the first manifestations of it, is financial. As a New Testament child of God, your financial life is not tied to the world system you are in the kingdom of god and see the world system is designed to create toil can you increase monetarily yes can you be rich in the world system yes you can right but there's always sorrow with it that means a stressful toil It'll always cost you something because Satan is death, right? But we're in the kingdom of God in the world system, so now God is our provider. Your work, your career, whatever you do is literally to be a form of worship. That's why you are to work hard, 
heartily with no toil. Now in this environment, in the corporate environment, in the work environment, now it always seems to be toil, right? You have your office in your hand with your, with your technology. And man, I'll tell you, they'll tell you, oh yeah, you can work from home. That's awesome. It'll give you freedom. Well, work from home. And then all of a sudden you realize, no, wait a minute. Right? I had this deadline, so I worked Saturday, Sunday. I'm working 12 hours a day. And then what happens is the bars reset there. Right? So, so what do you do as a child of God? You take your authority because you're in covenant with God. God told Abram, I'm your protector. I'm your protection. I am your mighty, increasing financial, monetary benefit. I will bless you. In, in your endeavors, I will increase you. Christian, that's what God's saying to you right now. God has no plans for you to not increase financially. And the way he wants to increase you is beyond your ability naturally to make money. It's beyond your ability to have the time. God really is the master at, at you not trading time for money. Right? And this is why this is why sowing is so important because it's God's way. God, God said in Genesis chapter 8, he said, listen, this is God talking. He says, while the earth remains, certain things are never going to pass away. Day and night, hot and cold, the seasons, really wish there were three and not four, but that's all right, right? But they're never going to pass away. And then it says seed time and harvest. Seed time and harvest are outside of the realm of Satan. He can't, I'm telling you, if you get the word of God in your heart and you start asking him to increase you, to open up new income streams, and you honor him and follow his lead, like, like Pastor Dave says, every service, he's not trying to get money from you, he's trying to get it to you. Why? Because he's cut covenant with you. And this is where it all started. I am your exceeding great reward. Wow. This right here is God saying, Abram, everything I have, everything I am, I give to you. That's a pretty good deal, right? Genesis 15, verse 2. And Abram said, Lord God, now a lot of, it, it, as, as I read this, it might say him and he and all this stuff. I'm going to kind of fill in Abram and God when it says, okay, so we'll, we'll read this. And Abram said, Lord God, what will you give me seeing I go childless and the steward of my house is this Eliezer of Damascus? And Abram said, behold, to me you have given no seed and lo, one born in my house is my heir. So he's like, God, that's awesome. You're my protector. You're my protection. You're my mighty, increasing monetary benefit. However, so what? Right? So, so I'll be blessed. But what about my, I have, no, I have no descendants. Verse 4, and behold, the word of the Lord came unto Abram, saying, this shall not be your heir, but he that shall come forth out of your own bowels shall be your heir, 
and God brought Abram forth abroad and said, look, God is not into just telling you things. He will show you. The Holy Spirit is given to you to not tell you things to come, but to show you things to come, right? As you meditate in the word day and night, you are able to observe to do all that is written therein. In other words, you see yourself doing it. There's no such thing as blind faith. Faith sees clearly, right? If, if, you have, if you have sickness and disease attacking your physical body today, God wants you to see very clearly this whole deal the way it is, that he's your healer, and there is no sickness or no disease that's incurable with him. Because he's not a practicing physician. He's the great physician. Right? He could heal and restore organs. He could change. You know, you could mess up your body for 50 years and he can make it new. All things are possible to him who believes this. Right? So, and behold, the word of the Lord came to Abram saying, This shall not be your heir, but he that shall come forth out of your bowels shall be your heir. And God brought him forth abroad and said, look now towards heaven and tell the stars if you be able to number them. And God said unto Abram, so shall your seed be. In other words, Abram, if you can count the stars, you will be able to count your seed. And Abram would have looked up and said, I can't, it's too many, I can't count it. And that's what God's saying, yes. And also he's saying, now every time you walk outside, I want you to meditate in my word day and night. This is the night, right? At another point, he said, if you could number the sand, you can number your seed. Because God wanted him to day and night walk knowing this, okay? So let's keep going. Verse six, and Abram believed in the Lord. Now, this is huge. Why? God said, God showed him, and he believed. If you will do that in your life, your life will forever be changed. And God said, and if you'll meditate in this word, the Holy Spirit will open it up and he will show you. But you must believe. And Satan's a master deceiver. He's going to throw thoughts in your mind. He, and if he can't get you to do something really stupid, he'll try to get you to do something really good that's not his will. Do you know how many people are pursuing ministry and, and, and they're pursuing it in a wrong direction. They're, oh, they want to do good, right? Even, even like Pastor Dave says, every service, it is the foundation of your Christian walk to be planted and be a viable part of a local church, right? The reason why we say what we do is we don't want to just build numbers here. We want to build the kingdom. So if somebody comes here, I hope they get ignited 
with a desire to be planted in a local church. If they're supposed to be here, I pray, man, we're excited about that. But if they get excited about being planted and, and God meets them and, and impacts their life here, and then all of a sudden they end up in some other place, great, right? I mean, we have a lot of people that come Wednesday night because their church doesn't have a Wednesday night service, so they come here, and that's, oh, that's great. We're never going to try to pull you out of that church. Why? Oh, man, you know why? Because I've been out of the will of God, and I've been in the will of God, and I am in the will of God, and the will of God is much better, right? We're not trying to build the church the goal is to get out of his way and let him build it. Don't try to build your financial life. Get out of God's way and let him build it. Because this, this is a picture. You are a descendant spiritually of Abraham. But the Bible says our covenant is better than this one. If you really study that word better, you got to really look in the etymology of that word. It literally, at the end of the day, it means it's stronger. It not only will heal your body and bless you, but it, it literally, spiritually, it's stronger. It'll make you brand new. It'll change your life. You're not, not a servant of God. You're a son or a daughter of God, right? So, and Abraham believed in the Lord, and God counted it to Abram for righteousness. That's he counted it to Abraham for righteousness because he believed. That's why we're made righteous as we believe, right? Righteousness that comes through faith. Verse 7, and God said unto Abram, I am the Lord that brought you out of the Ur of the Chaldees to give you this land to inherit it. And Abram said, Lord God, whereby? You could just, if you have King James, put the little word above it. How? And he said, Lord God, how shall I know that I shall inherit it? Hmm. Why would Abram say that? Because he just, the verse, couple verses before said, and Abram believed. You make a choice to believe God, and as you make a choice to believe, see, believe Bible is, has action with it. It's not like the natural word. Well, I believe, you know, I believe in Jesus, so I'm a Christian. Well, are, is there action? Because the Bible word believe means I believe it so strongly that I put action to it. I walk this out. I commit my life to it. That's why a lot of people are going to stand before the Lord and they're going to think they're okay. Hey, you know what? I went to church. I, I, I even did this and I did that. And Jesus is going to go, man, I never knew you. I never knew you intimately. But look at this. Abram chose to believe what God said. And then he asked God, so how am I going to know that I shall inherit it? See, God wants you to believe. And, and, and really, believing is the doorway to knowing. You believe that God is a healer. And then as you walk that out by speaking his word, Father, I thank you that by the stripes of Jesus, I am healed. As I continue to walk with God that way, what happens is revelation knowledge comes of the word of God to my heart and I begin to really know. Remember, Bible know is to experience. 
He's, you could say it this way, God, how? Well, first of all, look at how it starts. And Abram said, Lord God. See, that's the big thing. He's Lord. In other words, Abram's like, my life is yours. You're Lord, I'm not. How shall I know or how shall I experience that I shall inherit it? See, God has provided everything for you. But he doesn't want you to experience victory in theory. He wants you to experience victory as it's happening in your life, experiencing it naturally. It's one thing to know God's a healer and that the name of Jesus is greater than cancer. It's another, it's another thing to sit across from a doctor and them going, or an oncologist, and I'm looking at you and going, well, I've got great news. I'm so happy for you. I don't know how it happened. We can't really explain this, but there is no cancer anymore, right? I mean, here's the picture of the tumor, and now there's no tumor, right? I remember years and years ago, there was a lady. Uh, she didn't go to our church. I, I believe she goes to a large church here in town, but she had a little one-year-old baby. Remember, remember that? And uh, the baby had a, a tumor on the esophagus that grew huge, like I think to the size of like a baseball. And they're like, we're really, we don't know what we're going to do because we don't want to really uh, do surgery because we could damage the esophagus, all this stuff, right? So anyway, we went down, laid hands on the baby. We, we, uh, there's a Heaven's Health Food CD that uh, a great minister that's been here several times went into a, a recording studio and he just, he, to, to music, he just speaks every healing scripture in many translations. We told her, just play this all night. Just keep, keep the switch of faith turned on, right? And all of a sudden, we get a call. And I mean, you know, the mother's in the room with the baby and they're wondering what they're going to do. And the mother wakes up one day in the hospital room. And, and, and holding her baby, and then all of a sudden looks and goes, there's no baseball coming out of where her esophagus is, because you could see it. It's gone. So she calls everybody in there. So now they're all freaked out, because they're like, a, a tumor this size, if it burst and, and all that toxic stuff went into a little one-year-old, that could be really bad. So they did all these tests. Nothing right? I went to a high school graduation party eight years later and was met in the front yard. There was a big bouncy house in the front yard. And they came out and said, hey, we want you to see the little girl. She's now nine. She's bouncing, beautiful little girl, no cancer. Because he's Jehovah Rapha. What he does for one, he'll do for all, right? You know, let me just, boy, I got so much I want to say. When the children of Israel came out of Egypt, you know, they went through the Red Sea, all this miraculous stuff, and then, then all of a sudden, they're thirsty, and there's, there's no water in the natural. They come to this body of water, Mara, and it's bitter, and then they get all ticked, and they start murmuring against God. They start getting mad. You know, we should have just stayed in Egypt, right? All this stuff. So God had 
Moses throw a tree branch in the water, which is a type of Jesus on the cross being thrown into humanity. And the waters were made sweet, and they're sweet to this day. And the first, that was the first time that God revealed himself as Jehovah Rapha. He said, I am Jehovah Rapha. I am the Lord that heals you. But it's real interesting in the Greek or in the Hebrew wording. Because, see, a few days earlier, they had eaten the Passover lamb, which is a covenant thing. They're in Egypt. They took a lamb, they slit its throat, they drained the blood, they ate the meal, they ate the Passover lamb, which is a type of Jesus. And it said, every Jew came out of Egypt. The children of Israel, there was not one feeble among them. There was no sick, there was no weak among them after eating the Passover lamb, which is a type of us getting born again. So then they go a few days later now, they're at the waters of Merah, and this is why this word, I am the Lord that healeth you. I am Jehovah Rapha. You could translate it, I am the Lord that, is, that heals you, but you could also translate it, I am the Lord that healed you. In other words, God's saying, remember the Passover? I'm the Lord that heals you. I'm the Lord that healed you. Covenant. Blood was shed. Blood was shed for your healing. Blood was shed so that you would live on this earth and that money would never stop you from doing everything God's called you to do. See, we're not here for us. Oh, God wants you to, he wants you blessed according to his riches and glory. He wants that. He wants people to look at you and go, wow, God must be really good because God's blessed them, right? But see, the blessing of Abraham is so that you could ultimately be a blessing, a storehouse for others. So let's keep going with this. So here it is. Abram believed in the Lord, and he counted it to him for righteousness. And God said unto him, Abraham, I am the Lord that brought you out of the Ur of the Chaldees to give you this land to inherit it. And Abram said, Lord God, how shall I know that I shall inherit it? How shall I know? God, New Testament believer, 2023, November 5th. God, how shall I know that you are my healer? God, how shall I know that you are my restorer, my deliverer, my strength, my provider? How, are you, how am I going to know? So God says to Abram, I'll show you. Verse 9. And God said unto Abram, take me a heifer. So in other words, God says, I'll show you how you will know I'm going to cut covenant with you which is an unbreakable deal, which forever solidifies that everything that I am, everything that I have is yours. So this is, this is the example, guys. You have a covenant with God. It's unbreakable. Oh, Satan can yell and scream, and, and he could bring all kinds of circumstances in your life, and I'm telling you, if you'll believe God, and as you walk with God, you'll become to know and know and know. You'll become fully persuaded that what God said is true. It doesn't matter what you see. 
Don't live on this earth like a human being only. Are you human? Yes. But are you more than that? Yes. You're a child of God. So he said to him, take me a heifer of three years old and a she-goat of three years old and a ram of three years old and a turtle dove and a young pigeon. And he took all unto him all these and divided them in the midst and laid each piece one against another. But the birds divided he not. So he literally cut these animals right down the middle. Do you think it was kind of a bloody situation? I would venture to say Abram probably had blood on him. There's blood everywhere, right? But Abram knew God was cutting covenant here, right? And then he said this, and when the fowls came down upon the carcasses, Abram drove them away. So in other words, Abram is trying to help God. Don't you try to help God? Well, if I could just pray more, if I could just be a little better, then God, no, 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 your behavior doesn't get God to do anything for you. God's already done everything for you. Your behavior will keep you from laying hold and picking up what God's done for you. But God's not moved by your behavior. He's moved by faith. So God will keep encouraging you. And how will he encourage you if you have a wrong behavior? He'll keep telling you that you're a child of God. He'll keep revealing to you that you're righteous. Don't play with this stuff. This is way below where I have for you. And the goodness of God is what causes us to change. But with God, there is no manipulation. You might have had a, a dad or a mom that manipulates you. You might, have, you might have grown up in a home where the person that was taking care of you and raising you might have manipulated you. You might have a guy or a girl in your life manipulate you or people manipulate you, but God never does. He never gets down on you for the mess you create. He's always wanting you to take him by the hand and let him lead you into life. Because a big price was paid for you. God's mercy is greater than your disobedience. Boy, do people need to hear that, right? So, verse 12, and when the sun was going down, you could just see. God's like, man, this guy's trying to help me. But he can't. I'm cutting covenant tonight, God says. And Abraham's just not enough. He could never keep it, the covenant I'm making. So I'm going to put him to sleep, right? I've seen pastors get down on people when they fall asleep in church. I never will. Because when I see somebody sleeping, I'm going, man, you know, God, go look in the Bible. There's been many times when a person fell asleep and God was really ministering to them. Let them sleep right? Wednesday night. You should have been here years ago when we had our Wednesday night service in a retirement community. It sat 120. Remember those orange couches? Oh my gosh. It sat 120 people in these plush orange couches. You would sit down and just sink into them. And when we would go in there, the sound guy and I, it was a young man in high school, and uh, Jay and I would go in there, it'd be 85 degrees in this room. We're like, wow, we bottom out both thermostats but by the time church started it was about 78 and you'd see and, and all our young people a lot of them were athletes and they would come right it's just so funny people some people would be like pastor I can't I can't sit in the couch they pull a chair down front because they're like I can't I can't do this I'll be out right and we, we came up with the slogan 
don't worry if you fall asleep, your spirit will get it, you know, just to make people feel better, right? Now, if I ever see you sleeping in church, I, I, I live with this ornery woman, so some of that kind of sprinkles off on me, so you might notice I'm a little ornery. I might want to mess with you, but I won't, right? So just, just be at ease. Come to church tired. It's okay. It's okay. And plus, it's even magnified here because I have a soothing voice. I just soothing, so soothing. Thank you, Lord, right? Here we go. So let's keep going. When the sun was going down, verse 12, a deep sleep fell upon Abram, and lo, a, a horror of great darkness fell upon him. God was showing him some things. We'll skip that for, for the context here. But what I want you to see is Abram fell asleep. So God did it all. Abraham, or Abram, what did he do? He just believed. What is your job? Your job is to believe, right? He just believed. He just yielded himself. He just made himself available. You want to walk in the blessing of God? Yield to God. Believe him and just make yourself available. Because God will, I mean, he will take you places you've never dreamed of. God did it all here. Verse 17, jump down to verse 17. And it came to pass that when the sun went down, it was dark. Behold, a smoking furnace. This is God the Father representing deity. And a burning lamp. This is the son of God who was representing Abram. In other words, God cut covenant with Jesus on Abram's behalf. The guarantee of this covenant was Jesus, and he'll never break it. Right? It says here, and a burning lamp that passed between those pieces. God cut covenant with Jesus. Isn't that, that's, and th now this is a type. This is a type. Now we're going to get in the New Testament. We're going to explain all this. It'll make the whole Bible make sense to you. See, in the same day, verse 18, the Lord made a covenant with Abram saying, wow, the Lord made a covenant with Abram. But notice how he made the covenant with Jesus. Jesus stood in the place of Abram. Jesus stood in the place for you and I. Wow. Think about that. Your salvation, your, all the benefits of salvation are based on Jesus, what he did for you and I. This is, you could say this is a series on salvation, right? It really is. The scarlet thread of redemption. In the same day, the Lord made a covenant with Abram saying, unto your seed have I given this land from the river of Egypt to the great river, the river Euphrates. See, Abram could not keep this covenant alone. Jesus became Abram's representative. So now jump down, we're going to explain this more about this covenant 
between God and Abram, which Jesus took Abram's place to, to guarantee it. Genesis 17, verse 1. So now, now this, up to this point we touched on this, but now let's keep going. This is new today. Genesis 17, verse 1. And when Abram was 99 years old, the Lord appeared to Abram and said unto him, I am the Almighty God. Walk before me and be thou perfect. This Hebrew word perfect does not mean flawless. It means be upright and be sincere. Do you know if you make a mistake and you go outside and do a behavior that's contrary to what God wants? Being sincere is stopping and going, God, no excuses, I did that. And I'm coming back, I'm coming back. I confess it, right now I just believe and I receive your forgiveness and your cleansing. Not being sincere is saying, oh, whatever. Right? So God is telling Abram, I want you to walk upright before me and be sincere. And he says this, and I will make a covenant between me and you and will multiply you exceedingly. This covenant that we have been given, the first way that it manifests is multiplication financially. You should get excited about that. It's amazing how Christians are not prospering, but it's because many are not upright and sincere. So they, they can't lay hold of this. They're still trying to figure it out themselves instead of being spirit-led, right? So it says, and Abram, and Abram fell on his face, and God talked with him, saying, As for me, behold, my covenant is with you, and you shall be a father of many nations. Neither shall your name any more be called Abram, but your name shall be Abraham. You know that book I was telling you about, The Scarlet Thread of Redemption, the author Booker, he said God took the H out of his name, Yahweh, and put it into Abram's name, which is, which is really, that's what would happen when you would cut covenant with somebody, they would take on your last name, you'd take on their last name, right? But God took the H out of his name, Yahweh, and put it in, it went from Abram to Abraham, it went from Sarai to Sarah. I think that's cool, right? And he says this, neither shall your name anymore be called Abram, but your name shall be called Abraham. For a father of many nations have I made you. Notice that God said that to him. Think about it. He had been married to Sarai when she was a young lady. He was walking down the street one day and he saw this girl and he was so excited when they were going to put them together. And man, they got married thinking we're just going to have a boatload of kids. And she could never have children. Year after year after year after year after year after year. Don't ever be moved. You want children? It's your right. Don't listen to other ridiculous carnal Christians who will tell you, well, you're getting too old. She was 90. Okay, and she, but she's not a New Testament believer. You are. You have a better covenant, a stronger covenant. Nothing has changed here, right? It says, and I will make you 
exceedingly fruitful, and I will make nations of you, and kings shall come out of you. Sounds a lot like, for us, your seed will be mighty on the earth. You should tell your children, you are blessed because I am sold out as your mom or dad. I am sold out to Jesus. My life is not my own. I am following him, right? And if you're a parent, you might have not taught your kids the way that you should. Is there a parent in here that felt like when their kids grew up that they did everything right? Is there anybody here? I mean, I can't raise my hand. I look at my two kids and go, man, you guys are a lot better kids than I was a dad, right? But I could tell you they're blessed. It says, and I will establish my covenant between me and you and your seed after you in their generations for an everlasting covenant between me and you and your seed after you in their generations for an everlasting covenant to be a God unto you and to, did you notice I read that twice? And to your seed after you. God says this over and over and over. And I will give unto thee and to thy seed. Do you see the blessing? See, the blessing of the Lord, it, it, the path of the righteous increases more and more, both for you and your children. Wow. I love this. And I will give unto thee and to thy seed after thee a land wherein thou art a stranger, all the land of Canaan for an everlasting possession, and I will be their God. And God said unto Abraham, Thou shalt keep my covenant, therefore thou and thy seed after thee in their generations. This is my covenant, which you shall keep between me and you. So God's starting to go, okay, Abram, Jesus did this with the animals, but now we got we to solidify this for you and your generations, right? This is my covenant, which you shall keep between me and you and your seed after you. And then every man's going, do we really have to read this? Every man child among you shall be circumcised. In other words, Abram, it's time for you to shed blood now. Remember? When we talked about the covenant, they would cut the wrists, mingle the blood together, and there would be a scar. In the Old Testament, the scar was circumcision. That showed you were in covenant with God. The New Testament, we're going to see, is circumcision also. But it's not circumcision naturally, right? It's a spiritual circumcision. So Tony, before he got saved, his spirit, which was dead and separated from God, and his flesh were like this, okay? When I said, Jesus, I not only believe you are Lord of all, I do believe your Father raised you from the dead. You're alive today, seated in heavenly places at your Father's right hand. And now because I know you are Lord of all, I am inviting your lordship into my life. I give you my life. Come into my heart. I receive you as my Lord. When I said that, when I believed that in my heart and confessed that with my mouth, the Holy Spirit of God came into the inside of my spirit and he took out a spiritual scalpel and he cut 
my dead spirit away from my flesh. And he took it away and got rid of it. It's gone. That old man is gone forever. And then he put a brand new spirit in me. But he did not like this now. It's not connected to my flesh anymore. It's separated. It's been circumcised. Guys, this is why sin is never to dominate you. In the world, if a person doesn't know God, this is, what, this is them. The Bible says they are by nature, by instinct, the children of wrath. They're in the world without hope and without God. Remember the last song we said? For, saying for the first time, I had hope. Right? Well, now... Sin will not dominate you anymore. This is the new covenant. So let me jump back here in the old covenant. And you shall circumcise the flesh of your foreskin, and it shall be a token of the covenant between me and you. So it's Abram's, Abraham's turn to shed blood. It was a sign in his flesh. But this sign in his flesh set his household apart from the rest of the world. The scar sealed the covenant. It was a daily reminder to each man unto future generations. The Old Testament rite of circumcision is a symbol of the New Testament reality of the new birth. Okay, let me say this again. The Old Testament rite of circumcision literally is a symbol of the New Testament reality of the new birth. Okay? You got that? The new birth does for us spiritually what circumcision did, did for the Israelites naturally. Okay? It puts us in blood covenant relationship with God and it gives us access to the wealth of his divine resources. You're in covenant. You've been given access. You've been made worthy. You've been made a participant. You are able to lay hold of the very treasures of God. Boy, does Satan not want you to know that. This makes us part of a chosen race of people which belong to God. You are his. Man, you might have had a father that was whacked out. You have a good father. If you're a child of God, he is your father, and he's a good father, right? Circumcision was a sign to set these people apart so that they would be separated unto God. Do you know you are separated unto him? God has a very specific plan for your life. And he will walk you into it. I love that. Our faith in Jesus sets us apart from what we used to be. And it makes us one with him. You're not just near him. You are one with him. Everything he is Everything he has, he's given to you, and he's told you to himself. This is why Jesus said, listen, I am the way, the only way. 
I am the truth. I am the only truth, right? I am the life. No one can come to the Father but through me. This is blood covenant. Hallelujah. See, it sets us apart. This faith in this, in this God of heaven who made you and I new, it sets us apart from what you used to be. Don't beat yourself up for what you used to be. You are a new creation, a new creature in Christ, totally accepted by God. When we are, when we are born again as children of God, our spirit is circumcised from our flesh nature for the purpose that sin won't dominate us anymore. So now let's jump into the New Testament. We talked about this in the Old Testament a little bit. Now let's jump to the New Testament and explain some things. Go to Colossians chapter 2. Colossians chapter 2. Man, I'll tell you what. Guys, this is so important. And I know we're going into, this is like, this is like being in seminary. I mean, this is, this is Bible school. You have to know this as a child of God. The reality of it is this is kindergarten, even though it seems really deep. you got to know who you are. Colossians chapter 2, verse 11. It says this, In whom, talking about in Christ also, you are circumcised with the circumcision made without hands. Remember, I just explained that. In putting off the body of the sins of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ. Okay? You've been circumcised. You're no longer like this. You're like this now. Right? Your flesh is never to dominate you. So let's keep going with this. Buried with him in baptism. Right? In, in the, if this is in the Greek aorus tense, it literally would read like this. Having been buried with him in, baptiz in baptism. Or you could just read it like this. Having been buried with him. This is why in Romans chapter 6 it says, we were identified with his crucifixion. I was crucified with Christ. Paul said that in Galatians. I was crucified with Christ. I, if Romans tells us, I was buried with him in baptism. I was raised with him. I was raised. When Jesus came out of the grave, I was raised with him. That took effect in my life in 1966. Right? But in AD 30, AD 32, AD 33, whatever it was, that's when it was sealed for me. I was buried with him in baptism, wherein also you are risen with him through the faith of the operation of God. How was I raised? Through the faith of the operation of God. Let's break that down a little bit. The operation, the energia is the Greek word. It literally means I was raised through the operational power of God. Jesus was raised. See, you should know all about Romans 8.11. Because Romans 8.11 today says, the Holy Spirit on the inside of you is healing, restoring the health, and making your physical body whole. Keep the switch of faith turned on. But 
what, when Jesus was raised, how, what happened to you when you acknowledged Jesus as your Lord and committed your life to him, the operational power took effect and it raised you from the dead, right? Verse 13, and you, this is a plural word. It looks singular in the English, but in the Greek it's plural. So it would read, and all y'all, everybody, every believer, being dead, and you, being dead, it refers to spiritual death. All of us were spiritually dead before Jesus. And you, being dead in your sins and in the uncircumcision of your flesh. Remember, you were not circumcised. Your flesh and your spirit were together. Hath he quickened, hath he given life together with him, having forgiven, wow, having forgiven all your trespasses. Do you know this word forgiven literally is, it comes from the Greek word charis, which means grace. It's charizomai. It literally means you have been graced for all your transgressions. They are gone. Wow. Blotting out the handwriting of ordinances that was against us, which was contrary to us. It blotted it out. Isn't that amazing? You have no record of sin. There's no record of spiritual death. In other words, you, the man and woman that you are today, you're, you've never been dead. You're just alive. That old person is good, dead and gone. Right? Blotting out the uh, handwriting of ordinances that was against us, which was contrary to us, and took it out of the way. This, this phrase, took it, it means it removed it permanently. Who you were has been permanently removed. Oh, Satan will bring up your past, and if he brings up your past, tell him, listen, don't talk to me about, if you want to bring, if you want to talk about my past, let's really talk about it. Not yesterday, not five years ago, not when I was convicted, not when I went bankrupt, not when I did this or did, no, no, let's go to my past. It's back here in AD 30, AD 32, AD 33. My past is gone. So Satan, no. Shame and guilt and condemnation is not on me. All of it was put on him once and for all, and it's been permanently removed from me. So when you come against me with my past, I'm going to come at you about, well, let's talk about your future. Because your future's sealed. It's this lake, right? Gehenna, the lake of fire. Have a great day. Not going to feel bad for you at all. I've lived 61 years seeing what you do to people. Have a nice day, right? I actually, I hope you don't. This is why the Bible says, don't let the sun go down on your anger. That's not a, that's not a marriage tip. We go to marriage seminars. Yeah, fight like a cat and dog, but when the sun's going down, you better forgive each other. No, 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 no. That's talking about never let the sun go down on your hatred and anger for Satan. Because if you don't hate him and what he does, you'll, you'll, you'll play with him. 
You'll, you'll let some of the things he wants you to do into your life. And all of the roads lead to death, right? We could have a testimony service on that one. Sin will always take you further than you want to go. It'll always keep you longer than you want to stay. And it will always cost you more than you want to pay. And I'm here to tell you today, Jesus has permanently erased it from your life. Wow. He nailed it to that cross. All of your sin and the spiritual death nature was nailed to that cross. It was condemned once and for all, Romans says, in the body of Jesus. See, Jesus is your promissory note that was nailed to the cross. Now my debt is paid. It's paid in full. And now I'm free. And so are you. Verse 15 of Colossians chapter 2. And having spoiled, this, this word spoiled, he spoiled principalities and powers. This means he, Jesus disarmed principalities and powers and he threw the weapons away. Can never come back again. He disarmed principalities and powers. He made a show of them openly, triumphing over them in it. Triumphing over them. This is a little... It's a little vague in the King James. It literally would read, triumphing over them through him. Jesus kicked their butt once and for all. This demon, these principalities, Satan himself, have no power. You have authority. That's why in Luke chapter 10, verse 19, it says literally, behold, I give you authority. We know from other scriptures in the epistles, authority in the name of Jesus to have absolute mastery over the whole satanic hierarchy. Oh, these demons, they, they make them look so big and bad. Whatever, they're so far under your feet. You know, if there was a black mamba snake in this room, we might be a little concerned, right? Because they just... My son, when he was in Tanzania, he said, yeah, this, this snake, if it was in a room, it will kill everybody. As soon as it bites one person, it's going to another one. But you know what? You might be a little concerned if you didn't know your authority. But what if you were 10,000 feet in an airplane above this? Or what, what if you were 100 feet? That six-foot-long black mama snake from 100 feet above it, how, how big does it look? Like a worm? What about 1,000 feet? Right? I mean, us older people might be able to see it. Don't, don't see it close. we got to see it far, right? <laughs> don't notice I didn't say old people. I said older. <laughs> so let's keep going with this. Having spoiled principalities and powers, he made a show of them openly in it or through him. See, Jesus, once he was raised from the dead, plundered principalities and powers and even Satan himself. Jesus stripped Satan of all authority that Satan received from Adam. He, and he gave it to you. Verse 15. Or let's, okay, let's jump back to Genesis chapter 17 now. Let's look at verse 15. So now we see the New Testament. Now let's go back to the Old Testament. Genesis 17, 15. Look at what God says. And God said unto Abraham... For Sarai, thy wife, thou shalt not call her name Sarai, 
but Sarah shall be her name. So think about it. God positioned them to where everybody, everybody, and starting with them, would keep the word of God in their mouth. Right? Torian comes up to me and goes, Hello, sir, what's your name? Father of many nations. Abraham. Ma'am, what's your wife's name? Mother of many nations. In other words, God put them in a position where all their servants, hey, father of many nations, do you want me to go feed the camels? Hey, mother of many nations, do you want me to cook dinner here? I mean, people were constantly telling them who they were. And they were constantly saying, that sounds a lot like let the redeemed of the Lord say so. That sounds a lot like Hebrews chapter 10, hold fast to the confession of your faith without wavering. God put them in a position where they would literally, during the day, if, they, if their minds started messing with them, Sarah's 90, she gets thoughts. You think she didn't have thoughts in her head? How in the world am I ever going to get pregnant? Second of all, how in the world am I ever going to get pregnant from this guy? Do you know Abraham had six more kids after Sarah died? Do you know we have record of Abraham laying, healing people, praying, and, and people got healed through him just because of the covenant? How much more? Right? So, and God said to Abraham, for Sarah thy wife, you shall, not, you shall not call her name Sarai, but Sarah shall be her name. In other words, the old name is gone. Now they have a new name. Your old man is gone. Now you have a new, you're a new creature in Christ. And Satan has no hold on you. Yeah, but pastor, I'm just, I, you know, I have fear, anxiety, terror attacks. I face depression. Okay. Use the name of Jesus because all this is in your mind. And now because of this, because of your mind and your, your actions and your mouth fueling this stuff, you might get a chemical imbalance going on and now this chemical imbalance is, is fueling this too. Hey, God's your healer physically. Amen. You are free. So all the bondage that maybe you've allowed in your life or Satan has snuck in there, whatever, all the bondage must bow to who you have been made in Christ. And God, your father, has made a covenant and he says, I am your protection, I'm your protector, I'm your ever-increasing benefit. Uh, everything I am, everything I have is yours. And now I've even put my spirit in you to lead you into this. Wow. I love that. Verse 19, jump down to verse 19 of Genesis chapter 17. And God said, Sarah, thy wife shall bear thee a son indeed, and thou shalt call his name Isaac, and I will establish my covenant with him for an everlasting covenant and with his seed after him. Wow. Isn't that amazing? Man. So now let's jump back to the New Testament. Go to Ephesians chapter 2. Ephesians chapter 2. Let's start in verse 11. And I want to I kind of break this down because this is talking about the blood covenant that Jesus ratified. Or when we say ratified, that Jesus established. This is an established thing. This is yours right now. This is who you are. I'm telling you, you can change everything in your life starting today. 
All you have to do is decide. Ephesians 2.11, you guys doing okay? I feel intense, but I'm all excited. I, so, do I smile when I preach? I, okay, I hope I do, my goodness. One thing I love about when, whenever I listen to Keith Moore or watch him, sometimes I'm, when I'm working out or something, I'll watch him, and, and he's just like, he's like Santa. You know, he's got that beard, and he just smiles, and he's laughing all the time, right? All right, back to this. Hallelujah. I'm not Keith Moore. I'm much taller, uh, but man, does he walk in a wonderful anointing. But you know what? I'm so excited that I'm Tony. I wasn't excited about that until I started learning that, wow, this is who God made me. Do you know when God looks at you, he sees perfection. You are exactly who he's made, and he has a plan for you. And and whatever the world has put on you, Man, I'm telling you, he's made a way for you to just literally walk out of all of it because none of it has a hold on you. Let's get back to this. Praise God. Ephesians 2.11. Wherefore, remember that you being in times past Gentiles in the flesh who are called uncircumcision by that which is called the circumcision. This is talking about that which is called the circumcision would be a sign of the old covenant, the Jews. That which is called the circumcision in the flesh made by hands. Notice it says, wherefore, remember. Now you got to get this. A person who remembers what he used to be will be able to keep pride and self-righteousness out of his life. I can't take any credit for anything in my life because I remember right now I was four and a half but I've studied the word so much I have a very crystal clear picture that the more I the more I look at it the more thankful I get I was dead I was lost there was no hope for me and then he made me new when you remember who you were before Christ forget about pride There should be no pride in the body of Christ. Now, the problem is it's in the nature of our flesh. The only thing you've got to do to be prideful is nothing. Right? Let's keep going. Hallelujah. I wanted to say something. I'm like, nope, not going to go there. A person who remembers what he used to be will have a clearer understanding of who he is now. So let's keep going. Verse 12. That at that time, you were without Christ. Everybody you know who does not know Jesus, this is who they are. That at that time, you were without Christ, being aliens. This this word aliens means being a non-participant from the commonwealth of Israel, from the citizenship of Israel. And strangers from the covenants of promise, having no hope, and without God in the world. This is the perfect picture of someone who's not born again. It describes the complete hopelessness of all Gentiles before Jesus opened the door of salvation to them. No citizens, no covenant, no hope, and without God. 
right? Keep that in mind when you're going throughout your day. Because I'm telling you, do you realize how close we are? And the minute I hear a trumpet, I'm going to be so happy to see Jesus. But I got to tell you, until I hear the trumpet, I want to tell everybody. Because I don't want anybody to miss this. The Lord doesn't impact our lives sovereignly, as some teach. We have to invite the Lord's presence into our lives through faith. See, God loves everyone, but he won't sovereignly make them be born again. He won't make you walk in relationship with him. He will woo you because every area that God is not first place in is going to be a mess in your life. But man, I don't care how much of a mess it's been. Just change that. Paul links the separation from the covenant of God with being without God in the world. This shows that God deals with us through his covenant words. This is how God deals with us. Those who seek to find the Lord apart from the revealed word will end up without God. You only find God through the word. Faith comes by hearing the word of God. So I want to close with this. No citizenship equals no covenant. Right? No covenant equals no hope. And no hope equals no relationship with God. But I'm here to tell you today, you are a citizen. You are a son and daughter of God. You have a covenant. Therefore, you have hope. Your future is bright. And you have God. Everything that he is and everything that he has is yours. Isn't that good news?